Rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen Wa la'aqibutu lil mustaqeen Wa salatu wa salamu ala sayyidil anbiya'i wal mursaleen Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man tabi'ahum bi ihsanin ila yawmiddin Amma ba'du fa'a'udu billahi min ash-shaytanir rajim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim ومن آياته أن خلق لكم من أنفسكم أزواجا لتسكنوا إليها وجعل بينكم مودة ورحمة وقال سبحانه وتعالى يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا صدق الله العلي العظيم إن الله ملاكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا مولانا محمد الفاتح لما أغلق والخاتم لما سبق والناصر الحق بالحق والهادي إلى صراطك المستقيم وعلى آله وصحبه حق قدره ومقداره العظيم اللهم رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل لقدة من لساني يفهم قولي اللهم يا كريم أكرمنا بنور الفهم وأخرجنا من ظلمات الوهم ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم إن شاء الله عز وجل today we are going to go through the 149th covenant from this kitab Al-Uhud Al-Muhammadiyya or Lawaqih Al-Anwar Al-Qudsiyya Fi Bayan Al-Uhud Al-Muhammadiyya Today is a very serious subject that we're going to talk about and um, I hope that we listen attentively and uh, pass this message across All the topics are serious We always talk about serious things here especially with what the current political climate is around the entire globe with the idiots being elected as presidents and prime ministers uh, we need to be extra careful as to our amal and elsewhere, what's happening elsewhere um, and the, we are bringing the calamities on ourselves because of our actions this is, this is the usul of the Qur'an, this is the principle of the Qur'an whatever calamity befalls on you, it is because of your wrongdoings one of the aspects of our wrongdoings and our, our manner in which we treat this subject and this subject I'm talking about is about marriage, nikah or shadi and a very important thing that Imam Abdul Wahhab al-Sha'arani rahimullah mentions in this covenant because last week if you remember the covenant ended we spoke about ghaddul basar protecting the gaze from looking at that which is haram now he mentions one of the great solutions to Ghaddul Basar that will enhance your uh, practicing of lowering your gaze and that is to get married. But unfortunately, uh, within our community, Muslim community, we've made it so difficult if you've got a son and you are intending to marry your son off obviously to someone's daughter there are strict conditions and demands from both sides there's something there's a new bid'ah innovation reprehensible innovation rather that's been 
started in um, India and Pakistan also, which is known as Jahiz, where the daughter's family, they demand X, Y, and Z, making it so difficult for potential spouses, partners to get married. I've seen it in Egypt. I've seen it in Syria. They, they can't get married until the age of 35, 40 because the dowry demand is extortionate beyond the capacity. They want a home by their name. They want a car. They want X amount of uh, gold. This is the ridiculous things and obstructions that people have made to this beautiful sunnah, prophetic sunnah of nikah. And because of this, it has resulted in great evil vices in society, including, obviously one of the simplest one was what? Not controlling the gaze. And obviously, once that is, that is not controlled and restricted, people end up in illicit relationships, in pre-marital relationships, ending in zina, adultery and fornication. The blame, who's to blame? We are to blame. Parents are to blame. Because they are leaving their children to such an age where they go through a phase of hormonal changes, they want to get married, they have the means to get married, they are financially stable to get married, yet the parents are putting the obstacles for their daughters and for their sons to get married. The sin will be on them. By Allah, the sin will be on them. And if we don't make up to reality, we are digging a deeper hole of destruction to ourselves. We've already brought destruction to us, ourselves anyway. But if we do not clear this area, then we are going to face a dilemma where I, I spoke to, I have not even started yet. Um, uh, I spoke to one of my friends who's a pharmacist and you'll be shocked at what he said. And he prescribes them the morning pill. I, I need to say this in open because obviously you all uh, sane minded, inshallah, you'll take this on board and probably try and reform the evils in society. Morning pill, right? Is a pharmacist. And he said, so many Muslim teenagers, male and female, are coming, Muslim daughters coming with their inverted commas boyfriends and demanding a morning pill. Because obviously they had engaged in an illicit relationship out of a wedlock, obviously. So now they regret it. And he said, I've become so frustrated and anxious as to what's happening to our society. And we are bickering over petty issues. Our mosques have now deserted the youth because the youth no longer want to come to the mosque because we've made these huge walls that act as deterrence, not allowing them to enter the masjid because of our political issues, because of our bickering, because of our personal differences. We are jeopardizing the iman and the amal of our youth, of our next generation. And for this reason, he says, یہ ہم سے عہد لیا گیا ہے نبی کریم صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم تک یہ عہد یہ وعدہ پہنچتا ہے کہ ہم شادی کو پسند کرے اس سے کہ ہم شادی نہ کریں یعنی وی گیو پریفرنس ٹو اینڈ وی گیو 
importance to getting married than remaining celibate or expressing or practicing celibacy. Even if we are constantly engaged in the worship of Allah day and night, we should prioritize in getting ourselves married. Okay? When you take all the boxes, you're sane-minded, you've got the financial stability, there is no harm whatsoever in you getting married. Our predecessors got married at the age of 20. At the age of, sorry, apologies, at the age of 18. And look at the barakah that they had. Because it brings sukoon. There are many fawaid of nikah. Imam Jalusit, rahimahullah, has written an entire monograph, Al-Wishah, fi fawaid nikah on the merits of doing nikah. One of the great merits of nikah is it protects the society from the evil of fornication, from the evil of engaging in haram relationships. It protects the gaze. But we as parents, you may have a tasbih in your hand, you may have a beard, but at the end of the day, if you're not following the sunnah, the sharia of the, of, and the commandments of Allah, you're not following it. You can put on the attire of a Sufi in the mosque and turn out to be someone who's faking it, but Allah knows your, reali your, reali reliety and your reality apologies and how you deal with people and how your mu'amala is and how much you act upon the commandments of Sharia. So, farmate ke agar che hum rato din ibadat mein lage hue ho, uske baad bhi hum shadi ko khtiyar kare, nikah kare. And we support those people who want to get us married. We support them to the best of our ability. We support people who are acting like middlemen in society. May Allah reward them. MashaAllah, there are many hajis who do the, do the very uh, frustrating task of getting two potential partners together. May Allah reward them. We need more people in society to break the barriers and to facilitate a potential partners getting married. May Allah reward them, may Allah reward all those who uh, financially, mentally, emotionally support these people in whatever way they can. Because he mentions here, the worship of someone who is a celibate is deficient, is not complete. وَإِنَّمَا مَدَحَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَىٰ أَسَّيَّدَ يَحْيَىٰ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ بِالْعُزُوبَةِ بِقَوْلِهِ وَسَيِّدًا وَحَسُورًا لِأَنَّ مَقَامَهُ أَعْطَى ذَلِكَ Yes, in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises Sayyiduna Yahya alayhi salam because of his uh, celibacy, practice being a, a, a celibate. Why? Because this was his station. Yahya alayhi salam didn't get married. And Shaykh Muhyiddin al-Ma'aribi, actually Imam Shari mentions here, He had completely got rid of the base desires that overcome a man. The carnal desires. He didn't have any carnal desires in him. So therefore, it was appropriate to him not to get married. So he remained a celibate all throughout his life. But this is not the ideal situation of a Muslim. Because the uswa and the qudwa is in the life of the Prophet ﷺ, and he got married. And he said, Getting married is from my practice, from my way. And whosoever turns away from my practice is not from amongst me. 
and Sheikh Muhyiddin ibn Arabi rahimahullah mentions Lam the objective and aim of Sayyidina was not to remain celibate why did he then remain a celibate? He says, When Zakariyah used to go to Sayyidatul Maryam anha, where, where was she? She was in Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. Her mother vowed, I have vowed whatever is in my womb to be given in your way. When she gave birth to Maryam radiallahu ta'ala anha, she was uh, isolated in Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. She isolated herself in Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa in Jerusalem. She kept on worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this state of her surprise as Zakaria he was really pleased with her state of chastity and that she, is, she has cut off all relations with any other human being and she remains she's a celibate and she's worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah subhanahu is granting her the thamarat the fruits the miracle that he saw fruits of summer in winter and fruits of winter in summer so she, this greatly surprised him and when he made a dua Allah granted them a son who also became a celibate who was Sayyidina Yahya alayhi salam so out of his dua his own son became celibate however he then says this is not a dalil a proof that celibacy is better than getting married. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَقَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا رُسُلًا مِّنْ قَبْلِكَ وَجَعَلْنَا لَهُمْ أَزْوَاجًا Every single prophet that came before you, save the exceptions that we've mentioned, or every single messenger, we gave them maritable partners, we gave them partners, and they had awlad, they had children. And then he says, وَكَمْ يَقَعُ الْعَازِبُ فِي فَاحِشَةٍ how many a times that, it, that has happened that non-married celibates, they, are, they commit fornication, illicit, they engage in illicit relationships, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala conceals their matter. How many a times that a person who is not married, he has insinuation from Satan to commit zina, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala conceals his state. Allah protects him. How many a people who are not married, they pray their namaz and their thoughts are all constantly in relation to them, in relation to uh, committing zina, fornication, etc. How many a times people have a very bad opinion of these people who remain celibate? How many a times that people have stopped Single people who are not married, not to stay with other women or other families in the house, out of fear that they may commit an illicit relationship, they may engage in an illicit relationship. Had he got married, he would have protected the chastity, he would have maintained chastity within himself. Which is what the Prophet said about Jumu'ah. Whosoever engages in a conjugal relationship with his wife, with his halal, obviously wife, and then performs ghusl and then comes to Jum'ah, then the reward is obviously Allah subhanahu will forgive all of his sins. The reason why the Prophet encouraged that because when you are standing fi Hadratillah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the presence of Allah on Friday, amongst the entire congregation, including the awliya of Allah subhanahu will be present in that gathering, you do not want to be thinking about that. That's why you do that before 
This is why the Prophet ﷺ had mentioned that. The other thing that he mentions is this. وَمِنْ فَوَائِدِ التَّزْوِيجِ أَنَّهُ يُنْشِطُ الْكَسْلَانِ الْمَكْسَبِ الْحَلَالِ بِالْأَصَالَةِ Anyone who gets married, this marriage in itself, it incites him to go out and earn halal food for the family. Someone doesn't become a retard, a, so, a jacket potato sitting on his sofa, not doing anything. Nikah in itself, it encourages him to go out and earn money. Something which the Prophet encouraged all of his companions, saying, The upper hand is better than the lower hand. The hand that gives, the hand which earns and then gives, is better than the hand that begs. So one of the benefits of nikah is it makes you, it compels you to go out and earn a living, to support the family, to meet the expenses of the family, etc., etc. And then he says, and he mentions a narration a story here. وَقَدْ حَكَى لِي شَيْخُنَا رَضِيَ اللَّهُ تَعَلَىٰ عَنْهُ أَنَّ شَخْصًا كَانَ يَتَعَبَّدُ فِي زَابِيَةٍ وَيَأْكُلُ مِنْ صَدَقَاتِ النَّاسِ وَوَسَاخِهِمْ وَكَانَ كَثِيرَ تَزْوِيجِ ایک بزرگ نے ہم سے بیان کیا ہمارے شیخ نے کہ ایک شخص تھا there was a person کہ اپنی خانقاہ میں اللہ تعالیٰ کی عباد کرتے رہتے تھے اور کچھ یہاں پہ انہوں نے اوساخ لفظ استعمال فرمائے یعنی لوگوں کا میل کھاتے تھے زکاة in essence is the dirt the filth of people he used to eat the zakat and the sadaqah of people he used to engage in the ibadah of Allah subhanahu but he used to eat from the sadaqat of people but having said that كَانَ كَثِيرَ تَزْوِيجِ he used to marry a lot but فَكَانَتْ كُلُّ مُرَأَةٍ تَزَوَّجَهَا لَا تُقِيمُ مَعَهُ إِلَّا نَحْوَ يَوْمَيْنِ أَوْ ثَلَاثَ أَوْ جُمَعَةً ثُمِّ يُطَلِّقُهَا حِينَ تَطْلُوا مِنْ But all these wives he used to get married to, they would not stay with him more than two days or more than three days. Or maximum would be a week. That would be the, the extent of the marriage life. Because as soon as the woman would demand nafaqa, يعني Money for spending, expenditure, money to expend, he would give her a divorce. As soon as the wife says, I want to eat a pizza, please give me 10 pounds, I divorce you. Yeah, this was his state. So what happened one day? One day he proposed a marriage to someone who had a bit of intellect. يعني إمرأة عاقلة صاحب أقل فنصحها الناس عنها people gathered around that woman and said don't marry him we know who, how he is you not stay with him for more than a week he'll divorce you as soon as you ask him for a bit of money he's going to divorce you she said تزوجته وتوكلت على الله I have married him and I put all my interests all of my affairs to Allah سبحانه وتعالى فلما كان اليوم الثاني من دخوله when it was the second day of the consummation of the marriage, the second day when he got married to this woman who had, who was rationally there, who had, mashallah, the intellectual capacity functioning, she said, Ya Rajul, ama takhruj taktasibu lil-awlaad shay'an? Oh man, oh my husband, aren't you going out to earn for our children? Won't you, will you not go out to bring something back for our children? He said, I don't know any skill. I'm not skilled in anything. I'm an absolute retard. I kept on eating my entire life from the sadaqat of people. I don't know any profession. I don't know how to earn money. 
What she did, she said, Take this banglet, gold banglet of mine. And sell it. And buy with the money that you gain from uh, selling this, this gold banglet. Fetches some broad beans. Fool is, uh, mashallah, you must have heard about it, especially not the fool, English fool. This is the Egyptian fool. Broad beans. Jisko kaha jata hai ki ye ghade ki khora ke, yani it makes you very active. Yani it, it gives you the energy to endure uh, strenuous tasks, mashallah. We ate that a lot in Egypt and at times here as well. I hope you enjoy the dish. Nonetheless, with the gold banglet, or what do you call it? Gold bangle. bangle apology, I'm calling it a banglet. Bangle. Uh, he purchased 25 sa'a. 25 sa'a. Sa'a is the terminology, approximately 3.4 kg times by 25 of broad beans. So you can imagine the huge amount of sacks that he brought back at home. What happens? What happens? They then began to clean the broad beans. They began to separate it, clean it. Look at how this woman is training this man. This is why you should ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for a woman that assists you in deen and dunya. Ameen. For some people it may be quite late, but it's never too late. Then what happened was she then soaked these broad beans in water until the following day. Then she began to cook the broad beans. This is what they used to do, fried broad beans. He told the man, now take these fried broad beans and sell it. When you sell it, say, good morning everybody. This is the way they used to welcome people. In the marketplace and sell it. He began to sell broad beans until just before noon. Then he kept the woman, he, she knew why he was divorcing his wives. Because he was farih, he was he had no job. But as soon as she made him preoccupied in selling something. He didn't even think about divorcing the wife, which is what he mentions later on. So he kept on selling these broad beans and since Salat al-Dhuhr. Then she began to roast the other broad beans that were left. And then she then gave it to the husband when he returned back. And, he, and she said, Take a piece of bread and sell it with bread, sell it with something. Give it to people, sell it to people. And don't stop. Continuously sell these roasted beans. He came after Dhuhr, then he took the roasted beans again, fried beans again, and then he began to sell them until Salatul Asr. After a week or so, some of his friends, the friends of this guy, they met him and they asked him, or they actually said, We actually astonished and amazed that this woman has stayed with you for so long. With each woman that you married, the maximum was a week. MashaAllah, this woman has stayed for you for more than a week. He said, Wallahi ma ana farigun utalliku. He said, I don't have the, the time to, to divorce her. Why? Every single day, ila dhuhri fil fulil har, wa ila nisfil asri fil makli. 
every single day until Zuhar Salah, I'm selling roasted beans and until Salatul Asr, I'm selling fried beans. So she's kept me so occupied, I don't even have the time to divorce her. So she used her intellect. So the crux of this is what? One of the benefits of nikah is it compels a person to go out and earn halal. To spend it on himself, to spend it on the family. The best dinar, the best dirham that you spend, this hadith, is this money that you spend on your family. And if you go out with a good intention at work, every single minute that you spend at work, that will regard it as an act of worship. One of the best and integral fara'id after namaz, after fara'id of Allah subhanahu wa is al-kasbul halal, a halal earns halal means of livelihood. He then says, all these people who are calling themselves men, we are the rulers in the house. Listen to what he says. Allah says in the Quran, men have greater authority than women. Okay, this is the rule of the Quran. He says, Allah mentions this, that men have a greater authority, greater power over women, and they have a greater rank than women. Why? Because they earn a livelihood. So then he says, if a man is lazy, sits on his literally backside and doesn't go out to earn a halal livelihood, he and women are equal in the same, in the same level. He can no longer be regarded as a man in the real sense of the word. And then he says, look at the example of Sayyidina Musa salam. For 10 years, he served the orchard of Sayyidina Shu'ayb salam as a dowry payment to get married to his daughter. So then he says, then you will understand, then you will understand the importance and the significance of getting married. 10 years he served in the orchard of Sayyidina Shu'ayb salam. Until Sayyidina Shu'ab married his daughter to Sayyidina Musa ala nabina wa alayhi salam. So then he mentions one thing here. وَقَالِ لِبَعْضُ الْفُقَرَاءِ الْعَصْرِ وَقَعَ لِي أَنِّي أَمَنْتُ بَعْضُ الْفُقَرَاءِ الْمُتَعَبِّرِينَ عِنْدَ فِي الزَّابِدِ بِتَزْوِيجِ He is one of the mashaykh of the age. He told me once that once there was a person who was worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Zawiyah. Pahli khanqai bandi thi jahaan pe loog ibadah kiya gadri azad. To kehate hai us zamanay mein ek shaks میرے خانقاہ کے اندر عبادت کیا کرتا تھا تو میں نے ایک دفعہ ان کو کہا کہ آپ شادی کر لو تھوڑی مونڈے گیٹ ماریٹ فقال اللہ حاجت لی بی ذالک he said I don't need to because I'm الحمدللہ I'm subhanallah engaged in worship of Allah subhanallah what happened then فغلبتہ نفسو his carnal desires overcame him the satan within had subdued him he was subdued by his own ego فَوَقَعَ فِي الزِّنَا نَعُوذِ بِاللَّهِ كَمِتِدْ زِنَا but then he says, فَتَزَوَّجْ يَا عَازِبُ O celibate, get married. وَسْعَى سَعْيَ الرِّجَالِ And strive like men strive. Otherwise, he says, then he says, فَلَأَنْتَ تَزَوَّجَ وَتَسْأَلَ النَّاسَ وَتَكْتَسِبَ بِنَصَبٍ وَتَعْبٍ خَيْرٌ لَكَ مِنْ أَنْ تَأْتِيَ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ زَانِيًا أَوْ مَحْشُرًا مَعَ قَوْمِ لُوتِ for you to get married and for you to endure the hardships of earning to go out to meet the expenditure of the family to expenses of the family to, to, to nurture the family to nurture your children to endure the hardships of sleepless nights as we experienced with one 
is better for you than to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the state that you have committed fornication, in the state that you shall be resurrected amongst the Sodomites. Those who could not control their egos, and na'udhu billah, they satisfy the kind of desires with haram. Coming on to that point, if you allow me to spend a few more minutes, I thank Mawlana Hussein for this, informing us about this. It's something that I want to inform you. This is a study that was done in America. The States and Canada, including the States, America and Canada. Obviously, remember, comparatively speaking, they have a huge number of Muslims over there. A higher population, much, much higher than ours. We have about two, approximately uh, 2.5 million Muslims. So obviously our percentage will be greater. What does this research say? What does this research conclude? You will be shocked. And this is why I said at the very beginning, we are opening the doors to fornication. We are opening the doors to evil vices in our own society, in our own homes. We are blocking, we are putting these deterrents, these obstacles to our sons and our daughters getting married at the, prime, at the right age. We leave it till it's too late. Parents get frustrated, I've spent so many years looking. When did you start looking for the potential partner? Oh, just six months ago. That's not right. When your sons have turned 25, 30, then you start looking. You know, people are in a deep sleep of heedlessness. They don't start to wake up to reality, what people go through, what children are exposed to. Everywhere, 360 degrees, they're exposed to haram. Plus the hormonal changes within their body. They want to get married, but their parents are putting the obstacles, making it difficult for them. And the potential spouses, their parents are making it difficult for them to get married. So the research says here, the, uh, there was a sur survey that was done and approximately students in college years, age between 17 and 35, they were questioned and 54%, how many? More than half. Allahu alam what it will be here, much more than this. 54% of American Muslims, college students, they said, they confessed, that they had engaged in a pre-marital relationship and they had engaged in an illicit relationship with a woman. And likewise, women with men and men with women. How many? 54%. Who am I talking about? Am I talking about Jews and Christians? I'm talking about Muslims. Okay? And then it continues, there was another general separate study that was done with a wider age range. 67% of Canadian and US Muslims, they confessed to the fact that they had engaged in a premarital relationship with the opposite gender. 67%. And yet Jajaji is still rolling the tasbih and not getting his daughters married, even though the proposals are coming to him. And the Rasulullah said in one hadith, if a proposal from a religious background comes to you in relation to your son or to your daughter to get married to them and still you procrastinate, still you stop, you don't allow your children to get married, then you will be afflicted with a fitna. You will not be able to get out of, or to get out of that fitna. You will be exposed to trials and tribulations and strife and dissension. And this is what's happening. And then... 
obviously there was another research that was done, which is here. Obviously, I blocked out the eyes before someone gives a fatwa on me. Uh, Muslim college students, okay? This was America, obviously it would be greater. The percentage and the ratio will be much, much higher in the UK. This is girls and boys, Muslim sisters and Muslim boys. I'm being generous, I'm calling them Muslim brothers and sisters, okay? I have harsh words, but I was going to call them that. Girls confessed, 48% engaging premarital relationships. 48%. Okay? But Jajaji is in his own dreams. Okay? 57% of male Muslims attending college, they had confessed to engaging in a premarital relationship, which brings me back to that point which my brother said, brother the, the pharmacist said, about prescribing the morning pill. Yani, utter shame. He had to put his face down, head down. At the overwhelming number of people who are coming to him, Muslim, young Muslim teenagers, who have committed zina, and then they come the following morning at a pharmacy, and they get the morning pill. They want to abort the child. This is the reality that we are living in, and if we don't wake up our eyes, we are all going to go in that whirlpool. Remember the, the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, we are all on that deck, on, on the ship, sorry. People on the upper deck, some people on the lower deck. People in the lower deck, they then, instead of to get water, they have to go up and f draw the water out of the sea with, with a rope, with a bucket. So they said, why don't we dig a hole? Why don't we introduce these fitan in society? Drugs, zina, gambling, alcohol, smoking marijuana, etc, etc. So three groups of people within the society, within the ship, they then began to dig a hole. So I said, why don't we directly get the water from the sea? It's easy, free, we don't need to disturb them. Then the Prophet said, if the people on the upper deck don't stop them by the hand, not only will the people on the lower deck drown, every single person on board that ship will drown. So if we don't open our eyes to what people are doing to, to, the, to this boat of ours, the boat of the Ummah, the boat that was going to take us to salvation and the holes that are being dug, then we are all going to get drowned. Every single one of us is going to be submerged. Allah will help hold, hold every single one of us accountable for our shortcomings. And then he says here, illicit drugs, nashawarchi zilina. 19% of girls, sisters said that we take drugs in college, in school, in university. 28% of boys smoking marijuana. 17% of girls said we smoke marijuana. Probably class A drug, I think, or closer to that. 28% of boys, Muslim boys said we smoke marijuana. Gambling. 90% of girls said we gamble. We are engaged in gambling. We are indulged in gambling. 36% of boys, Muslim boys said, who have a Muslim name, Muslim attire probably, probably have a topi on their heads, said, we are indulged in gambling. Smoking, obviously, it's become a norm now. 26% of girls said we smoke tobacco. 44% of boys said the same. Alcohol, drinking alcohol, binge drinking, 48% of girls said, these are college students, right? It's from school, college and uni. They said, 48% said, we drink alcohol. And 45% of, uh, of the boys. So this is our state. 
So let me just finish with a few hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Muhammad wasallam. The Prophet said, clear-cut words of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Rasulullah said, "O oh, group of young men, if you have the financial means and the strength to do nikah, then do, do nikah. Get, mar get married. Because it is something that protects the gaze and protects the private parts. It maintains your chastity. Whosoever does not have the financial means or the strength to get married, he should keep a fast because fasting acts like a shield. It severs the base carnal desires. This is why in Ramadan, Alhamdulillah, we are spiritually there because the carnal desires are there, down below. Because of fasting, it severs all the ways in which Satan can influence us. This is why an advice to people who are still they still got a bachelor's degree, BA, not got an MA, maritable status yet, to keep fasts. The other hadith of the Prophet whoever wants to meet Allah subhanahu in a state that he is clean and purified, let him marry women. Let him marry, let him marry to a spouse, to an azad woman. Then the Prophet also said one hadith Arba'un min sunnil mursaleen al-hinna or al-hayya wa ta'atur wa siwak wa nikah Applying henna, mendi Obviously not on your hands and feet for men This is on the beard etc Wa ta'atur, applying scent Wa siwak, performing siwak And marrying, getting married is from the sunnats of the Prophet In one way it says in henna, it says hayya, modesty is from them in one hadith, Someone who gets married, he has completed half of his religion. Let him fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the other remaining half. In one final hadith, the Prophet said, There are three types of people. It is a right on Allah to support them. It is a right on Allah to, to give them support, to give them support. Allah will support these type, three types of people. Number one, Someone who strives in the way of Allah subhanahu wa in whichever way he can. Number two, someone who wants to be emancipated, a slave, who has a written contract with his master who says, if you give me a certain amount of money, I will free you. And he strives to get himself freed, Allah will help him. And the third type of person, that the awn of Allah will be with that person, is a person who wants to get married, to stay away from zina, to protect himself from illicit relationships, a person who wants to get married to maintain his chastity, Allah will help him, Allah will support him, Allah's support will continue with him. And there was one hadith of the Prophet, I'm going to finish with this, there was one final hadith, a narration which goes that Sayyiduna Ali ibn Talib and Sayyiduna Amr ibn As, or Sayyiduna Abdullah ibn Amr ibn As, and Sayyiduna Uthman ibn Madhu'un, three companions came to the Prophet and came to the house of the Prophet and they asked the beloved wives, what is the ibadah of the Prophet? What is the ibadah of the Prophet? We know how the Prophet worships Allah outside. 
What is this ibadah inside? They said, all throughout the night, the Prophet ﷺ worships, the Prophet ﷺ engages in dhikr uh, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So one of them said, after hearing this, where are we? Where are we from the rank of the Prophet ﷺ? The Prophet ﷺ, despite being the believer of Allah, he's enduring so much hardships, he's doing so much ibadah. One of them said, I'm going to spend the entire night in worship, I'm not going to sleep. One of them said, Oath on Allah, I'm not going to get married. I will remain aloof, distant from women, on, from any conjugal relationships. I'm going to remain celibate and engage in the worship of Allah. And the other one said, I'm going to keep fast for, for every single day. I'm going to keep fast. I'm not going to do iftar. I'm go not going to have any food. They then went back. Rasulullah was informed about what these three people, the Sahaba said. Rasulullah then ascended the pulpit and he said, Lo and behold, I have the greatest fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala amongst the entire creation of Allah. I am atqan nas. I am the one who has the greatest fear of Allah. Yet, I keep a fast, but, my, but I break my fast as well. I eat as well. I spend nights in worship, but I also sleep. And I get married as well. And then the Prophet said, فَمَنْ رَغِبَ عَنْ سُنَّةِ فَلَيْسَ مِنِّي Whosoever turns away from my sunnah, then he is not, he's not following my way. He is not from amongst my clan. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the tawfiq to follow uh, what has been said. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rid our society from the evils that have uh, surged into it like a flood. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from people who amiruna bil ma'ruf wa nahuna anil munkar, people who enjoy good and forbid evil. Amin ya rabbal alameen. Allahumma salli ala sayyidina wa muhammad ma'ala al-jood wa al-karami wa al-sahbi wa barik wa salim. اللهم ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار اللهم ربنا أفرغ علينا صبرا وتوفنا مسلمين اللهم ربنا هب لنا من الزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة عيون وجعلنا للمتقين إماما اللهم رب جعلني مقيم الصلاة ومن ذريتي ربنا وتقبل دعاء ربنا اغفر لي ولوالدي وللمؤمنين يوم يقوم الحساب اللهم إنا نسألك الهدى والتقى والعفاف والغنى اللهم اكفنا بحلالك عن حرامك وأغننا بفضلك عمن سواك اللهم استر عوراتنا وآمن روعاتنا اللهم استرنا بالصدق الجميل اقرأوا الفاتحة إن الله ملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما جزا الله عنا سيدنا مولانا محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم ما هو أهله سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلاما على المرسلين الحمد لله